This podcast is brought to you by the Toronto School of Management's NCA Exam Prep Program. The TSM NCA Prep Program offers internationally trained lawyers courses taught by practicing lawyers in Canada, expertly designed study guides, exclusive networking opportunities with top Canadian law firms, and employability sessions arming you with all the tools you need in order to hit the ground running in your pursuit to practicing law in Canada. To find out more about the program, you can email ncaprep at torontosom.ca. Welcome to A Shot of Life, a podcast aimed at highlighting the personal journeys of professionals and entrepreneurs in Canada, taking a snapshot of the person behind the professional title. I'm your host, Anton Haswell, and this is Episode 7 of our National Committee on Accreditation Journey series. This NCA series will focus on individuals who have already or are currently undertaking the accreditation journey in Canada, as well as key stakeholders across the NCA journey spectrum. We will uncover motivations, anxieties, failures, and triumphs in an aim to showcase the wide-ranging experiences many people face when looking to become a lawyer in Canada. Our seventh guest in this series is Oluf Fikemi. Oluf Fikemi is a lawyer licensed to practice in Nigeria and recently called to the Ontario Bar in Canada. She has the NCA Certificate of Qualification and is in search of the right opportunity to commence acquiring the requisite hands-on experience that will help in building a successful legal career in Canada. She is passionate about inclusion and diversity matters and human rights, which is in part why she obtained a master's degree in international human rights law. She hopes to someday work with internationally renowned organizations in order to contribute to the development of equality and social justice around the world. She is a social media influencer with a focus on creating awareness on important topics such as human rights, inclusion and diversity, institutional bias, discrimination, and the like. Okay, hi Fikemi. Hi, hi, Anton. Hi, yeah. Thank you for agreeing to uh, join the podcast and and be my guest and also be my very first video podcast guest. <laughs> the pleasure is mine. <laughs> yeah, much appreciated. So I, I always, I mean, obviously, it makes sense to start from the the beginning, Fikemi. So um, I suppose it would be great for our listeners to learn where you're from, um, where you studied law, and and why you chose to study law. Mm-hmm. So uh, I am from Nigeria, and I actually studied law from my LLB, actually, from Olabisi Onobanjo University, and it's usually referred to as OOU. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. after that, I went on to the law school in Enugu State, which is the eastern part of Nigeria, and that was like a year. And in, in 2012, I got called to the bar in Nigeria, and then later that year, I traveled to Dublin, Ireland to actually do my master's in international human rights law. So mm-hmm. I was there until 2014. And after that, I went back to Nigeria, practiced for a little bit. And then in 2015, I came to Canada. So as regards why I wanted to study law, I don't have like a really touching story or anything like that. Um, my dad's older brother is a lawyer. And 
he has eight kids and five of those kids are also lawyers. So mm -hmm. I just used to admire the regalia, the way they put on the robe. Because back in Nigeria, we also wear the wig. Mm -hmm. So I just loved it, like gracious, the way they wear the robe and all that. I'm like, yeah, that's what I want to be when I grow up. And that was just the story. And I just kept like, since I was three years old, if you asked me what I want to be, I would have said a lawyer. So mm -hmm. I never changed my mind and I just kept at it. <laughs> that's well, that, that's great. I think um, what's interesting about that is that you've got obviously a lot of family members who are in law. So you grew up kind of in that world and you, you understood from a different perspective. Like a lot of people don't know what they want to be and they choose law a little later in life. That's what I did. So it's interesting to hear from somebody who, when they're three years old, they knew exactly what they wanted to do and it was going to be a lawyer and uh, wear the robe and the wig. And, you know, that's great. So, I, I mean, I'm curious about your trip to Ireland. Um, what, what spearheaded that? Like, what was the motivation behind going to Ireland? Was it the school or was it the experience or a bit of both? Uh, it was a bit of both. Like, I've always wanted, like, I've always liked to travel. Like, mm -hmm. I grew up a little bit my parents were in the uk for a little bit when i was growing up and then like we've always traveled like so i love to see other people's culture i like i'm really into inclusion and diversity matters and things like that seeing things from other people's perspectives and i'm a big i'm passionate about human rights law right mm. so i thought what other way if i'm sitting in nigeria studying international human rights it's it didn't sit well with me so i was like why not go outside my country and see what other people have to offer? So that's how I found myself going to Ireland. Mm -hmm. At first, I was going to go to the UK, but I was like, I've lived in the UK before. Why not go somewhere else? So I have that also under my belt. So at that time, my mom's younger brother lived, uh, is still living in Ireland. So I said, well, good. I would have at least a familiar face mm -hmm. there. So that's how I chose Ireland. Interesting. So when you went to Ireland and you completed your international um, law degree or law master's program there, what did you do after that? Like, did you have, I guess, right at that point, the world is your oyster, right? You have your law degree, you have your, um, your master's of law, and now you're in Ireland. So do you choose to go to Canada right after that? Or do you consider um, Europe and I mean because you know the just uh, at that yeah. time I wasn't sure I wanted to remain in Europe mm. and then thinking about it I had to go to law school as well to qualify to work uh, to work as a barista there and it cost a lot of money it was about 20,000 euros so I was like I I'm not sure I want to spend all that money if I'm not going to be staying there forever mm -hmm. and uh, my husband had already mentioned to me that he would like to uh, travel to Canada to continue his studies. So at that time, it was already brewing, like, okay, I might go to Canada. So I knew I might go to Canada from, <laughs> from I think, 2014. So yeah. Right. And so when Canada becomes um, an option for you guys, I mean, your husband's continuing his studies in Canada. He knows, um, generally speaking, what he's going to be doing. But you have got this law degree and this master's degree. And now you're saying, well, I know in order to qualify in the UK and I want to be a litigator, then I have to go to, you know, um, take a BPTC course and become a barrister. Um, you know the route, generally speaking. Did you know or were you familiar with the route to practice in Canada as well? Or did you, how did you find out about the NCA? How did you navigate that process? 
Yeah, so that's the good thing about technology and mm. Google. Google is, is my best friend. Everything I need and I'm confused, I just go to Google. So I went on, Googled, like, how do I qualify in Canada? And I found out about NCA. So I filled out the profile and all the information that was necessary, opened up the portal. And at that point, the next step was for me to send in my transcripts and my for both Nigeria and uh, Ireland. So I just left it there because I hadn't gotten my, my uh, what's it called, Ireland uh, results yet at that time. So I just left it there. And after that, when we came to Canada, I was pregnant. I had, so everything had to go to the back burner because my husband was in school full time and also he was working part time. So I couldn't do much about my law degree. And I had to stay. I, when I came, I think six weeks after I gave birth. So I had a newborn. So I couldn't do anything. Right. Until mm -hmm. 2017, I had to take five weeks uh, of leave of absence from work to focus on getting that done. So that's pretty much what I did. Right. And so, I mean, I think it's useful. I, I anticipate there may be quite a few um, people, let's say from Nigeria, who would be listening to your journey and wanting to learn because maybe they're where you were years ago in law school. And maybe they're thinking about um, Im immigrating to Canada or doing a master's degree in Canada. Um, so they're also looking online, they're using Google, they're going on Facebook, and they're thinking, how should I go about preparing for the NCA exams? Is it, is it, should I look at going through an institution? Should I get the Osgood Hall um, master's degree? Should I look at personal tutors? Like, how did you navigate that world? And how, like, what advice would you give to, let's say, um, Nigerian students who are considering going through a similar journey to yours? So my advice would be to do your research. Uh, while I was in Ireland, I did research. I had seen the Osgood and I checked the, <laughs> the tuition. I couldn't afford it. So mm. I thought, yeah, that's not an option for me. So if you can afford it, why not? You could go for that. But I couldn't. So I thought, well, I'll just go with the NC route and self-study and things like that. But I tried to check online. As I said earlier, Google is a girl's best friend. So I checked and I saw uh, Facebook and WhatsApp groups that I could join to, so that I don't feel alone. Because here in Canada, my family, everybody, nobody's here. It's just me and my immediate family, my husband and my kid. So I joined those groups and it, it was the best thing that ever happened because there's so much resources. There's so many resources in there. The people sharing materials, people getting together to have like, um, uh tutorials and things like that so it really helped me so even though i was studying alone at home i didn't feel alone so uh, after that after my results came out and i passed and i posted it on the website uh, on the facebook and also on the whatsapp a lot of people reached out to me because they were like wow you were able to do this with your children and things like that and they wanted to know so i was able to mentor them like this is what i did so if i'm also open to helping people, mentoring people. Like if they are interested, they can send me an email on thatproudblackwoman at gmail.com and I would like reach out as fast as I can. Right now I'm working full time, but I still find the time to help people because if I had that help, if I had somebody to rely on to like cheer me on while I had the journey, I think it would be faster than what it was. So 
that would be my advice. Just do your research and choose the one that is better for you. If you can afford, uh, if you can afford the Osgood, why not? If you can and you're like me, you could just mm -hmm. take it step by step. You're given a couple of years to finish the exams. You can take it one at a time. You can take it two at a time. I did mine all at the same time because I was in a hurry. I was like, I had to get this done. I, I just had to get it out of the way. So that's my story. <laughs> that's really that's really good advice, and I think that's useful for um, for people who are who share a similar journey to you um, yeah. to reach out. And I will include that email address in in the posting of this episode. And I'm sure, you know, you'll, you'll share and circulate this as well. So people will know how to get in touch with you for sure. That's a great resource, obviously. Um, so you said that you're working full time here. I know you're in the greater Toronto area in Canada, in Ontario. So I'm curious as to what you're up to now and where you see your journey heading. Like what, what would be your ultimate aspiration now that you're in Canada, um, you know, you have, you know, Canadian children now. <laughs> so, so let, let's say, um, how do you foresee your legal career moving now? Yeah. So before I even talk about that, I was going to talk sure. a little bit more about my NCA journey. Yeah, so yeah, as I said, please. 2017, I had, uh, I had to put in five weeks to get everything sorted to get my evaluation done. And it came, I had six uh, exams to write. So as at that time I was working full time and I had only one child then. So I was like, you know what? Now I know what to do. I know I have six exams and I know how many years it's gonna take me to complete them. So I left that. But then in 2018, I fell pregnant with my other child. And by 20, yeah, by the end of July, I went on mat leave. So I thought to myself, rather than sit at home for one year mm -hmm. looking after a baby, I could just take that time to actually focus on getting all my exams done. Like I had to go. I have to finish all the licensing exams if possible and get my barista so that leaving from mat leave, I don't want to go back to do the same job. Because then I was a, a factory, I was general labor. I was in general labor, it's called packaging operator at a brewery. So I didn't like that. I was depressed mm. all the time thinking mm. I have all these law degrees. I have a lot, master's degree. I'm in this country and I'm still doing all of that. So I had nothing to be proud of. So I was like, I have to get everything done. So it was difficult from the day I gave birth. I was already thinking, how can I make my life better as soon as possible? So I, I registered for all my exams at that time. I had six, but they don't offer contracts in January. So I applied for all five at one time. And thank God I did it <laughs> with a baby. Mm. Like my baby would be outside with my husband mm. and my sister, which at that time was exclusively breastfed, wouldn't take the bottle. So it was so stressful. I was in exam thinking about my child outside, crying, screaming and all that stuff. But the thing is, I was looking at the goal. Like the goal is to get my licensing done, to get a better life for me and for that child as well. So that's what my focus was on. And thank God I did it. So after uh, my LSO journey as well was a different story. After I finished my, um, when I got my certificate of qualification in November 2019, I decided to go straight on to both licensing exams at the same time. People would think, are you crazy? Because mm -hmm. I was back to full-time job now. And I, now I have two little kids under the age of four, but I was still looking at the goal because I wasn't happy where I was. But the silver lining was, before I got back to uh, my job, 
there was they advertised the position for health and safety. So I applied and I was able to get that. So I was no longer as depressed as I was doing the job I had before because now I was in the office, I was being able to use you know, my own gumptions a little bit because before it was like, I was like a puppet. They tell you, yeah, we're producing beer, 8,000 uh, pallets and that's it. Mm -hmm. I wasn't able, I felt like my brain was dying on me. So at that point I was much happier and I had a little bit more time with my schedule. It wasn't shifts anymore. I was doing eight to four, so it was good for me. So I went for my licensing and in March I was supposed to do both Barista and Solicito at the same time. I studied, I held it, I only had three months because I registered in November, got my uh, materials in December and I was studying. I didn't have time to study at home because of the kids. So the 30 minutes lunch break that I have at work, I would use it to study. I used to take my big book to work and people would be looking at me like, are you crazy? Mm -hmm. But thank God I was able to complete the, I did the Barista, unfortunately, Solicitor was cancelled due to the pandemic, but in June, I was able to sit for it at home, and thank God I passed. Congrats. <laughs> That's the journey so far before I got caught to bar. That's a, that's a long one. And I think um, obviously a lot of different challenges involved there in managing a newborn. And, you know, really, there's a lot of people, some of my friends even I know, who use that maternity time to just do nothing and love it. <laughs> um, but it sounds like you really saw that as an advantageous break because now all of a sudden you've got this time and you know you're not quite happy in the job that you're in. And um, it's you saw, let's say, a better future, one where you had more control, um, less of a drone in, in a warehouse, more more autonomy and control over your career and um to help your family so i mean talk about using that time wisely you did an amazing job and and completing the the barrister and solicitor exams in one try let me tell you even for canadian domestically trained students is no easy feat um, i mean in 2017 i know the Nat, the nca uh, published a report that indicated 47 percent of nca candidates fail the bar exam on the first try. Um, and so you completing that with everything else going on is a test, you know, with 30 minute study breaks at work is a testament to, to just how much you really wanted. And I think that's, it's sort of a good, um, I guess, uh, I don't want to say lesson, but I'll use the word lesson for other people to learn is, um, although it could seem daunting and challenging, I mean, first and foremost, immigrating to a new country, I can imagine, would be in an, in itself a challenge. Um, and then looking at your career and thinking, okay, how can I get this off the ground too, is another challenge. Then both of them together could be, you know, <laughs> I can only imagine. And so to come out the other side successfully, obviously, I can see why you would want to be a mentor for others because you know that it's a challenge and you know that people can come to Canada with, I mean, you know, sometimes Google is the girl's best friend, but other times Google can lie a little bit and people can say, oh, come to Canada, it's easy. Um, come take our courses and you'll become a lawyer, it's easy. But really, you know, it's good to have somebody who's been there, done that, who can say, look, this is what you need to watch out for. 
Um, yep. This is the, how much time you need to put towards things. So I think that's amazing. Really, really, um, really deserves a congratulations and a round Thank of applause. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're going to be called to the bar. You've passed. Um, have you begun articling? Have you thought about articling? So what I thought about was that I was going to article because from the group that I joined, a lot of people talked about how it was difficult for internationally trained lawyers to get articling position because it's very competitive. And I thought to myself, even though I had a little bit of practice from back home, I've never practiced here. I've never worked in a law firm because people, some people are lucky they come in and they're able to work as a uh, legal assistant and they can see what, how it goes and all of that. So I thought, you know what, I'm not going to get an exemption. I'm just going to take that opportunity to do the articling and get the necessary um, experience. So it will be easy for me to get a job or probably get retained where I work. But then uh, it was difficult as well to find a place that would pay mm-hmm. and couldn't afford not to get paid because I have kids, I have rent, I have bills. So that wasn't an option for me. The same thing with the, uh, I think LPP or LLP. LPP and Ryerson, yeah. Because a lot of people, international uh, trained lawyers would prefer to go for that, which was like four months of uh, uh, lectures and four months of uh, co-op. And that was it. That was eight months of my life as well. I couldn't afford, I don't have savings that much that would take me for eight months. So I kept pondering about it. Should I do it? Should I, uh, should I not do it? But what made me, uh, what uh, allowed me to make my decision was when we started, uh, when the pandemic started, I, f- I finished my bar exams, my solicitor exam, but then everything went on lockdown. Mm-hmm. Nobody was, no law firm was uh, open. So I was like, I don't know how long this is going to take. We don't know if they're going to open this year or next year. And then when they open, then it's going to take me another 10 months from then to get my article done. Like, that's not in the goal because I set a goal, I set a timeline and that timeline wasn't being met. So I said, you know what, that's it. I'm just going to take advantage of uh, right now and get the attitude exemption. So I contacted the Law Society to find out what I need to do if I wanted an exemption. And they told me I need to get a certificate of good standing from my country. I have to get a reference letter from my employer and I have to, um, field application letter, uh, application form, and also a letter. So I did all that, contacted my parents back home to be able to help me. And I contacted a friend as well that had a friend in Nigeria that was able to uh, help me get my certificate of good standing. So I got all of that in and within a week I got the exemption. So I was happy. Like, so now all I have to focus on is call to bar. (laughs) So it was, it was easier for me to just get the exemption because I couldn't wait anymore. I think um, that's yeah. actually something that, I mean, we, I've done um, more than a few episodes now, but we've, we have never really touched on articling exemption. So that's really useful for people to listen to and to learn from is um, that it is possible to do it. And you just briefly walked through essentially what you need to do is provide a letter. You need to fill an application form, certificate of good standing, and then a letter from your, your past employer. Um, yep. And it's something that that people, again, you know, you Google and there are different provinces with different requirements for articling uh, abridgment. Um, so it's it's something worthwhile learning from. That's great. So, I mean, now, 
now that you're looking forward to the bar, and I mean, it's such a, such a long journey, and I guess it's going to, unfortunately, with COVID, you can't properly celebrate. Um, but uh, if you could, I'm sure you would rent a hall and you would party. I know. <laughs> uh, but um, failing that, uh, I guess the biggest celebration for you will be to really start your career in a direction that you want once and for all, right? Um, all the education and the challenges and the journey that you've, you've faced um, now getting called to the bar in Ontario, in Canada, what would be your aspirations? What, what are you looking to accomplish with your law degree? Just, just maybe shed a little bit of light on what you'd like to do now moving forward. So I've never seen myself as a, a lawyer that is really into litigation. I'd, as I said before, my passion was in human rights and inclusion and diversity matters. So I'd always thought I would work with a, an international organization like the UN and things like that. Mm -hmm. That was always my dream growing up. Like, so I can help in third world countries and, you know, help to grow the human rights in, cause there's so many, you'd be surprised how many countries are not, are not uh, into human rights. Like they say, they sign all this, um, uh, they sign, what's it called? <laughs> right now, the, it's all over the place in my head. But <laughs> it is, for example, take my country for instance, there's so many human rights violations going on there. And I know that some other West African countries or Asian countries, the same thing, they have a lot of violations and they don't, they don't allow other countries to interfere. So I thought if I'm working with an international organization, I could use my expertise, I could use my experience like to get those countries better with their human rights. But well, that didn't happen. So uh, I thought, Coming here as well, I could work with, uh, like, right now I have a channel called That Proud Black Woman, and I talk about anti-racism, and I talk about institutional bias, and um, um, the inclusion and diversity matters. And since I got called to buy, I thought, you know, maybe those are also human rights, right? So maybe I could look for organizations, not necessarily a law firm, that has department for diversity and inclusion or anti-racism or things like that, that and they need lawyers or they need somebody with an LLB background. So I could apply in those places and use my experience in those places. So that's what I'm looking to do right now. And also I'm also promoting that on my platform. Yeah, I think um, obviously, and I guess, I mean, obviously, unfortunately, with the current um, social uh, unrest that's, that's taking, taking place in the United States, um, and you know, this, this, I suppose it's also in Canada as well. Obviously there, there are companies and there are organizations waking up to the fact that, that there is a need for more, um, people to represent and to oversee diversity and inclusion matters within organizations. Um, so, I mean, given your expertise and your experience, I think, you'd make a great candidate for something like that. I mean, that, that would be amazing. And uh, I mean, I think um, it's, it's important to continue that work. You know, like, like you say, I mean, I think growing up, we have a vision of helping third world countries through organizations like the UN. But really, um, it's also just as valuable, I think, in getting involved in organizations and helping in a grassroots level, wherever you are, really. I mean, you could start 
small and spread a word, spread a message that's um, really valuable to local communities as well and to grow that message and and to continue the good work. So I think, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the future is bright for you, Bikemi. Um, your journey is one that, uh, I mean, it's been really interesting to learn from because it's some it's it's one that that did have its challenges right like there there were legitimate opportunities for you to look at everything and say um you know what <laughs> health and safety is fine for me i'll just stay here and earn you know like you say you have rent you know you can buy your food but you really pushed forward and i think that's that should be inspiring especially to you know, let's say um, future lawyers and future potential immigrants in Canada from Nigeria or from that area of the world to learn from your journey. So um, definitely, if you could um, let people know how to get in touch with you and let people know what you're doing now and so that they can follow along and so that they can learn from you and, and you know, have you as a mentor. Yeah, so as I said before, you could reach me at my email, uh, which is at that black woman on Instagram or in my Gmail, which is thatproudblackwoman at gmail.com. Or you can also be uh, on my Twitter at thatproudblack2, like two. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so everything, thatproudblackwoman, I think it's me. That's Wherever the brand. Right <laughs> on Facebook, on Twitter, on um, Instagram, and even the email address on Google. It's all me. So you could get across to me that way. Right now, as I said, I'm in EHS at my work, but I'm also the education lead for the Inclusion and Diversity Committee that just got constituted earlier this year. Mm -hmm. And I've been doing a lot of good work with my team, and we've been bringing speakers to talk about anti-racism and how to address uh, racism and how to be more inclusive at your workplace and diversity and things like that. So I do that at work, but then on my channel, where I'm free to say whatever I like without fear or favor. I also uh, talk about inclusion and diversity, but at the same time, I also celebrate uh, cultural diversity. I have like sometimes just fun videos talking about uh, accents and accent challenges and broken English challenges from different countries and things like that. Just trying to celebrate those differences that we have to make people more comfortable. Because when I first came mm -hmm. to this country, I found it difficult, especially with my accent, I found it difficult to like talk to people because they'll be like, uh, Padin, they can't hear me. And because of that, I don't want to talk so much. Mm -hmm. But now I really don't care. I'm like, if I'm coming from a country where they don't speak, like the first language is not English and I could learn English, then I feel like I'm good. I'm really good because a lot of people that are born in this country, they only speak English or they only speak French or something, but I'm kind of bilingual because, <laughs> so I feel like I should be proud of what I have and not be ashamed of it. And so I think I've been through the NCA process. I got to find out a lot of things about myself that I didn't know, that I could persevere, that I'm stronger than I think, that I, I could push, I could uh, thrive under pressure. Like a lot of things that I learned and I was like, wow, I didn't even know that person existed. So all of those experiences I'm taking to make me a better person. I'm putting it on my resume to make me marketable, to see that this person has all of these skills and all of these qualities, and I can use it to advance the cause of your company. So that's what I'm doing right now. So <laughs> I'm really feeling happy because especially with the inclusion and diversity that I just started uh, earlier in the year, it's kind of towards my goal of 
actually helping in human rights matters. So I'm happier than where I used to be. Would I change anything? Uh, maybe I'll tweak it a little bit, but I felt like all those experiences were not lost. It mm. made me do what I am today, and it's going to make me even a better person tomorrow. So, yeah, that I mean, amazing. <laughs> I think, and you stole um, my last question, which is what oh. I usually spring on <laughs> guests. Um, it's becoming less of a secret now. The more podcasts that I publish, but yeah, usually I say, given all of that, would you do it again? And your answer is a great one, and it's one that's really shared by a lot. I mean, there are little things along the journey that you look at and you say, I would have done that again. If I could do it again, I would do it a bit differently. But ultimately, where you are now, you know, you're so satisfied with how you've come out of it um, and where you're headed in the future that no matter what you could have changed in the past, maybe just leave it the way it is because you're happy with who you are and where you are right now. So that's great. Yeah, and and to touch on on the uh, the fun little things in terms of accents, I went to the UK for law, and I was pretty shy in public to reveal my Canadian accent because you know I would everybody would look at me and say, "Where are you from, America?" <laughs> and so, but then eventually I just I got more confident with that, and I just started yelling in my Canadian accent the, all the same. Um, Fikemi, I, I really appreciate the time that you've, you've lent to us. Um, I know it's not challenging with young children and, you know, with, with daycares and schools starting. Um, so I really appreciate your time. And um, like I said, at, at, when I publish the podcast, and I'm sure when you share materials from the podcast, we'll remind people how to get in touch with you. I think your story is an inspirational one. And I think if if we can reach people with um, a similar trajectory to yours, I think that would be amazing. So thanks again for, for all of your time. Thank you so much, Anton. And that does it for episode seven of the NCA series and the Shot of Life Canada. Uh, I'd really like to thank uh, Olive Kemi for, for coming on and sharing her story. I think it's 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 a really really inspiring story for those especially of whom might be looking to immigrate to Canada and navigate the whole NCA process as well as managing a young family um, and and managing the job market in Canada and weighing up how to pursue a career in law while all at the same time keeping food on the table and keeping your children happy as a, as she's done so successfully um, her journey. Um, is really unique and I hope that individuals who are coming from outside of Canada into Canada who want to pursue law can learn a lot from from her experiences from from her fears and her anxieties around you know working in a warehouse and and wanting to um, further her legal career but at the same time trying to manage all of the other things that happen in life uh, really appreciate her time um, again she's she's active on social media and I, I definitely encourage everybody to give her a follow and to um, explore and discover more as she continues to post about her journey and with that being said I'm, I'm actually really happy to be able to announce that our sponsor the Toronto School of Management has um, graciously allowed our allowed me in some ways to to be able to benefit the listeners here so we have a really special giveaway um, 
the Toronto School of Management has made it available constitutional law and foundations of Canadian law study guides for listeners, well, one listener <laughs> of this podcast. In order to enter, um, this will be done randomized. Um, I'll take a draw and I'll announce the winner in the following couple of episodes here. Um, but in order to enter, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to subscribe to this podcast on either iTunes or Spotify. And under the Facebook post or Instagram post of this episode, you're going to have to just say subscribe um, in the comment section. Uh, that will let me know who's entered the, the contest and then we'll be able to have a fun little giveaway and actually a, a really useful giveaway for those who are currently undertaking those exams um, or thinking about taking those exams either in October or in January. Um, again, uh, much appreciated, Olaf Kemi. Thank you so much. Um, and I know that our listeners have benefited greatly and will continue to benefit from your social media posts and activities online. And um, for the listeners, until next time, we'll talk again soon.